Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. And if you haven't already, get your tickets for the Protector Symposium. The first annual Protector Symposium is taking place in Riverside, California, November 15th and 16th. We've got an all-star lineup of seriously elite trainers, Yosef Badu, Ed Caldrone and Mike Pannone are all going to be there teaching and instructing us on, well, our common goal, how to make good people more dangerous. So no matter what your background is, you're going to learn skills around the one unifying principle of protection. Get your tickets. Uh, spots are going quickly. And remember, you're going to get over $100 worth of value back in different things that you're going to get from our sponsors with your purchase of a ticket. Check the website out, Byron Rogers Motivation, for ticket information and to learn more. Out. Boom! Hey, what's going on, you guys? Byron Rogers here, and I've got a... They're all special episodes, but this one's special in a different way. I've got Yana Kayatakova with me here. How are you today, Yana? Hi, Byron. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Outstanding. I'm doing good. And... um this episode is a little bit different uh, because, and I've been trying to do this for a long time, but I haven't quite gotten the angle. I've got some like verbal okays, but like we haven't done it. But Yana has been on both sides of the, of the spectrum with private security. She's also been a client. So that yeah. is, will make this different and interesting. So we're glad to have you. Glad to have you. Thank you. I'm so happy to see you. So happy to talk to you. You have this incredible energy right away. Um, I think that's really good for someone that takes the interviews, you know, because you have to make feel, you have to make people feel comfortable to open up, to talk about things. Uh, and that's what makes your podcast so incredible. Honestly, every time I listen to any of your podcasts, I just feel like I'm somewhere at the backyard listening or like eavesdropping on conversation of two good friends that's how it feels outstanding that that means a lot it's something that i've always tried I've, I've taken pride in and i've always tried to do is meet people on their level and be relatable and cause them to relax you know uh we do our best work when we're relaxed you know true Get on a that's deep, true. Deep, you know? it's like <laughs> in a car and it's like this whole like masculine energy yes <laughs> and i feel like there is always that one guy that's always stressing and he's bringing that stress energy to everyone else and everyone else is trying to calm him down 
instead of just, you know, paying attention to what is actually happening. <laughs> yeah, just True. flow. Flow with everyone. So that's a good compliment. And I've had some that I've had to work harder on than others, but I'll never tell anyone. <laughs> good to go. Well, okay, girl. Um, who, you know me with the psychology background, I like to dive into the person first. Who would you say you are at your core? I love that. I, I do have, I have a psychology degree also. I love psychology, you know, uh, ever since I was a kid, when it was a time to choose your career and my family was saying, okay, you have to choose where you're going to go. What are you going to do? And I said, you know, I'm a boxer. So maybe I should just become a coach. And my mom said, oh my God, <laughs> you don't want a real degree. So then I was thinking, you know, I was thinking psychology. That's what I love, you know, going deep, going within, see what things are actually inside. I just, the only thing that comes to my mind is I'm no one, nothing. Yeah. We're so attached to our identities. There is a really nice proverb uh, that tells this story of a son of an emperor. And he's driving into the city with, you know, hundred thousands of his men behind him. And as soon as he enters into the city, everyone just, you know, drops whatever they were doing. They bow down. They, they don't even look at him. That's how much their respect they have. So everyone is just down on their knees, you know, greeting him. And there is only one man that's sitting as nothing happened. He was drawing with a stink on the sands and drawings, whatever he was doing, not paying attention. So the son of the emperor got really mad. He approached him and he said, who are you? How dare you, um, you know, not greeting me? Look at the people. They... They don't even dare looking at me. They're on their knees. Who are you? Um, you know, I'm the son of the emperor. You have to respect me. And he said, well, so who is? Oh, no. So the guy is saying, um, only, the only person higher in this world is my dad, the emperor. And he said, the old man answered, so who is higher than the emperor? The son answered, God. God is the only person higher than the emperor. And then the old man speaks again. And who is higher than God? So, you know, he got all frustrated, angry. He said, no one, no one is higher than God. And the old man looked at him and he said, I am no one. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I feel like that describes, you know, how I feel. And then Buddha also put it really nicely. He said, I'm no one and therefore I'm everything. Yeah. When you get rid of, uh, your identity, which is ultimately whatever you experienced in your life. That's what made you. That's what made who you think you are. When you get rid of that, that's when you actually see things clearly, how they are, what they are, because your vision is not clouded anymore. So I'm just no one observing life, you know, enjoying life, <laughs> going through it. Yeah, just flowing with everything. Yeah. I dig it. That might be one of the best <laughs> answers I've heard. Really? No one's answer is bad, but that answer, that answer is something to chew on for the next few hours is what that answer is. It's, it's, it's pretty deep at the beginning, but it's Uh, ultimately the truth. Yeah, no, I dig it. I absolutely dig it. You speak my language. Um, Outstanding. Okay, good to go. What got you into doing what you're doing? You mean bodyguarding, right? (laughs) EP work? Um. Yeah. I've always had that something in me, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was that 
person that was beating up bullies. <laughs> I remember all these bullies in school or, you know, just guys that pick on girls and I always get in trouble, uh, always in, you know, principal's office because I beat someone up. And yeah. I always explain myself, you know, I was doing the right thing. And they say, no, no, you're not supposed to. But those guys were offending girls, you know, I just, I just stood up for them. So I feel like I've always wanted protected those that can protect themselves. Even though I don't quite understand how that's possible, you know, how you, ha- how you don't have that something inside you that wants to just, you know, go forward. Uh, but I don't know, I feel for them. I love people. And there's just something that makes me want to, I would do it for free. Absolutely. I, I mean, I have been doing ever since I was a kid. So when the opportunity came to actually make money out of it, and I know it's different, it's different level, it's way harder, it's not all pretty how it seems. There's a lot of downsides, but I think that's ultimately what brings me here. My love for people, my desire to protect them, my desire to make something different. Basically, I want my life to mean something. And I think our lives only mean something when we do service for others selfless service for others it just fulfills your soul you know you've never i had friend that told me once you know there was this old lady today and i just helped her out she got stuck in the sand at the beach with her stroller and i helped her out and i carried everything and i helped her up the stairs and just i don't know something about it just felt so good and that's good that what the feeling of good that what brings you good in life I feel like when you give selflessly, that's when you receive, actually, you know, that's and you receive the gratitude, the feeling that you get from it. So that that what drives me, that what drives me, that what helps me stay up for 14 hours in a row, (laughs) sleep for three, that that really, because that makes me happy, knowing that my life made someone else's life better. Yeah. I agree. Anyone that follows me on social media knows that like... That's true the thing like this is the thing that we're doing here i think this morning i was talking about like you know like byron why do you want to be strong why do you want to be smarter why do you want to be all these things and it's like so i can serve on a higher level that's the whole entire game you know like everyone you read about and everyone you learn about and sing songs about you're singing those songs because they've figured out how to serve on a higher level that's this whole thing exactly more people you can get to join you in your service to humanity the more you can help more people and all this is the game you know so yeah uh, and i feel like you took that to even a higher level because you know if you work is hard it takes out your life completely you barely have free time to do what you want to do sometimes you know just do nothing maybe sit under the sun but you you do that plus you're you're exposing our world to the world you make us be seen, you talk about it. And that's, I feel like, I don't even know how you do it. <laughs> it, it probably requires so much energy and you stay positive. You always motivate on your stories. There's just something so incredible and so catchy. And just, you want to, I don't know. I always watch your stories and I feel like, wow, the teachers got better. <laughs> so much positivity. And yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's hard what you do. Thank but you. I'm really grateful for what you do outstanding thank you it's definitely a dance it's like because you have to operational security you have all these considerations and really the the, the key is the secret is <laughs> you know like i'm totally. just like you like i'm doing what i love what i was creating yeah. 
something I feel I can really serve on a high level. So like, yeah, I'll go do a 14 hour day. And I'm like, I was made for this. I'll go work out <laughs> two hours and then go do a 14 hour day and be like, this is my calling, my passion. This is, it's more than just a job. It's yes. a lifestyle, right? It <laughs> so is like, true. True. I, you know, I, I feel like a fish in water, you know, so it's, um, it's beautiful, but I say all that to say to the listeners, uh, the reason I can keep that operation operational tempo so high, so, so consistently is because I found my own, my new fight. I found my passion. I found a purpose that's larger than me. That's really worth giving my life to. And that's the game. That's when you're cooking with tartar sauce, right? There. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, thank you for, for recognizing that. And, uh, that's where I think no matter how successful you are or are not, if you want to feel alive, when you go to bed, alive, when you wake up in the morning, you got to find that thing. And then you've got to spend yourself. Yeah. You know, my, my mom would always say, I don't care what you do in life. I don't care what you choose to do in life. She's a doctor and she says, whatever. You want to make shoes? You want to make shoes? Do yeah. the best. Be 100% on whatever you're doing and you're going to be successful. Whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. You want to work all your life in a store if it makes you happy? Do that. Life is going to provide. That's so true. I feel like most of us, we, we just have that some kind of a fear that we won't make it or that, you yeah. know, life won't take care of us we forget that it does take care of us whatever happens is always for our best and if you choose something you love you're protected you are going to be taken care of if you chase things because you think it's secure but you hate it it's not in your heart it's never going to bring you anywhere far really yeah absolutely so you're right. energy and it's something yeah. you don't know until you live it a lot of times yeah. but it's true yeah Okay, so we can, like, I, I can already tell this conversation. We could go. It's going to last. <laughs> in a hundred directions, right? Like yeah. Time travel and all that stuff. Um, but uh, that's all. It's, it's the most valuable information, too, though. That's the outstanding thing about it. The, uh, so what's your tactical background? Yana? So I think my background is going to be a little, if not a lot different from what it usually is. Um, I've never been in law enforcement. I've never been in the military, but I've been to war. Uh, I've seen war. Back in 2000, I don't want to, 2005, I think. So back when I was back home. Uh, before, yeah. I, I, I'm going to look up the exact date because it's been years ago. Before I lived um, in U.S., so I come from this small republic in Caucasian mountains that's called the Setia. We're right on the border of Georgia. And back in 92nd, we did have war with Georgia. And then when, at some point, there, were, there was something in the news that, you know, uh, things are hard, that they are predicting that there might be another war. And I remember coming home and I told my mom, Mom, you know, if there's going to be war, I'm going. I'm not staying home. I'm going. I'm going to protect my people. And my mom said, yes, yes, of course. Yeah, because she didn't expect it. And then I remember two weeks or so, I'm just on the phone with my friend and I hear a lot of noise outside. I hear someone speaking in the microphone. And then I look out the window and there's tanks going on my street. So the war started. Um, so I ran out. I ran out. I went to the square. Um, 
and there was a lot of people there and they start talking that this morning and so and so the war started and you know if you want to volunteer and if you want to go and fight for your people um, you can go they give you a dress where you can go you will be provided with a you know, gear, fighting gear and everything. Just bring your documentations, bring your passports so we can track, can track people. people. Um, and I did, but my passport was with my mom because I was, I think I was about 16 maybe. So I went to her work and I said, mom, I need my passport. She said, why? I said, because I'm going to work. Oh my God, you know, they, they gave her <laughs> pills and stuff. She was holding her heart. She said, no, you're not going anywhere. I said, mom, you promised me. I told you if this happens, I'm not sitting home. I'm not staying. So she gave it to me, actually. Um, yeah, I'm very <laughs> stubborn. And oh. yeah, I'm very stubborn. And my mom knows it. And my mom knew if, you know, she doesn't cooperate, I still do it. <laughs> I think they learned it the hard way, my parents. <laughs> um, but I've never done bad things for the bad reasons. Whatever I did, I know, I mean, now that I'm older, I know they probably were worried as hell about me, you know, your kid going somewhere, you know, fighting the war. But she did. And I'm so grateful. I feel like they always gave me freedom, freedom of my, my own choices, making my own mistakes, making my own choices. Always, always. They never stopped me from anything. And I'm, I come from a very old school place where if you're a woman, know your place, know your right. You were born to, to just serve man, basically. You were born to be in the home, you know, be the keeper of the warmth and coziness of the house. You're yeah. not meant to fight. So I went. Um, I went with a volunteer troop. Um, so I've seen war. I've, I've never been trained. They asked me, have you hold a gun? And I did because I've always, I grew up around guns. My dad had guns around. I've held guns multiple times. So I said, yeah. I, I do. I do know how to do it. So that's my tactical background, you know, pretty much just being growing up around guns. And they never felt that's the freedom I'm talking about. They never felt, I don't know, maybe a lot of people will judge them, you know, <laughs> listening to this. How can you keep a gun around your kid? No. So it would be places like maybe in the car. My dad has his guns under the seat or yeah. hidden somewhere. Uh, there's actually a really funny story. This one time, my dad was with his friend and then he left the car and he comes back and the he says, the picture I see is you holding a gun on my friend and laughing because I thought it's something funny. Oh, no. And yeah, and he was just sweating and praying and saying, please help me. <laughs> please take uh, the gun away from her. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, so a lot of stories like that um, would go to the mountains, you know, like just shoot the bottles, targets. Yeah. It was something, it was like a good quality time with my dad. I, I grew up like like a boy, I think. Um, so that's my background. I haven't been trained, but I know, I know it. I, I know yeah. how to do it. Yeah. yeah. What about, um, and how long were you in the military over there? It was a, only like a week thing. Thank okay. God it, it, it ended soon, but it was a terrible week. It was hard things to see for a kid when you're 16. I think they changed my view of life a lot. Yes. Seeing people die in a second. Mm -hmm. uh, having our car just run with bullets. And you're just thinking, wow, it could be me. This person that just dropped, it could be me. And it just you just start thinking about bigger picture of life, what it really means. I think that's why a lot of, most of the military people that been to military, that seen war and seen death, they start, thinking about God and what happens to us after. 
most of people live their lives day to day, not thinking of a bigger picture. Why are we here? Why we were born? You know, why were we placed on this planet? What is our purpose? Uh, they don't think that one day we're going to be gone. So what's after, you know? I think that was really uh, important point in my life. You know? Yeah, absolutely. In a sense, thinking of why am I here? You know, what's going to happen if, I, if I'm gone? What's going to happen? Is it just, does it just end? So, yeah, okay. that's my, my tactical <laughs> background. Yeah, no, but you have more, I believe. Like, what about um, boxing? Well, boxing, yeah. I've been doing, I was a kickboxer since I was 12. A before kickboxer. I, yeah. Well, since when I was 12. So this yeah. is like a little miniature lifetime of kickboxing that you're like, yeah. well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was still, yeah, when, when I uh, went there, my friends came and they were trying to stop me from doing it. Um, you know, you can't go. And I looked at them and I said, I don't even want to be friends with you. You're a grown up man. You're built, you're, you're built to fight. You're fighters. And you're staying home watching while women and kids are being killed over there. I can't be friends with you. I don't want to listen to whatever you have to say. Just leave. So yeah. I left and I didn't even want to talk to them because I was really upset. How, I, I didn't understand how that's possible. How can yeah. you just keep living your life knowing that I don't know, like 30 minute drive, there's people dying. How? I, it doesn't stick in my head. So yeah, I actually showed up in some of my training outfits because I thought I need to be comfortable, right? I have to be comfortable. Yeah. I didn't like, think that I would I have to be protected. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I've been doing that since I was 12. And then at one of my competitions, I met a coach that asked me, do you want to do boxing? Do you want to try, you know, fight in boxing? And I thought, oh, I... I probably can't keep my legs to myself because I'm so used to kicking, but I actually yeah. did. And um, my first competitions was first female Russian championship. And I won in 20 seconds. I had fight. <laughs> it was a knockout. It was incredible emotions. And I thought, I, I, I don't only keep my legs to myself. I, I can box. <laughs> it was yeah. incredible. So wow. I quit kickboxing and I just became boxer. I just started boxing because it's a bit different. It's kind of different. Yeah. And you got a knockout. Like I got a knockout, 20 seconds. But to be honest, <laughs> when it happened, I was all happy. But then when I saw the girl on the ground and they were yeah. trying to wake her up, she was there for a while, just something inside me felt so bad for her. I went over and I hugged her and I started trying to help. And my coach looked at me and he said, you're not supposed to do those things. Why? You're a champion. Just stay in your corner and be... No, okay, I'm happy. When, yeah. when it's a... Yeah, I won't give in my fight. I won't give it to someone. But I feel bad for her. She just lost and she's hurt. I'm I'm not just going to stand in my corner and be happy, you know? Absolutely. So, it says a lot about your personality, you know, that you can feel those things and kind of transcend yeah. just the um, sport of it into the humanity of it, you know? So Yeah, it's it's sport. It's We're still people and we have to love each other. I, I feel like I can't stress this enough. Um, it hurts me to see when people are fighting on the streets. It really hurts me. I'll do what I have to do to stop it, but I don't like seeing it. I don't, I don't know why we're still doing it. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's a lot of tactical background. It is. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It is. Yeah. Experience and you know, there's a lot to be said for seeing real violence. I wish more um, guys could understand that and actually have that experience because um it just gives you a healthy respect 
for life and also for violence. You know, like I've been around guys that have been like, man, you know, like when this happens, when that happens, like I'm like, dude, you don't want any of that to happen. If you've seen it, you know that, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously having the confidence that comes from being a successful fighter, um, that stuff's valuable. Ultra it teaches you a lot. That's true. It teaches you so much discipline. It teaches you to keep going when you feel like you're going to drop and die. Yeah. There was so many times like that. And I would just tell myself, you know, at least I'll die doing something I love. Exactly. <laughs> so I just keep going. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Okay, fantastic. So these days, what are you up to primarily? In terms working, of uh, working constantly on making myself better. Uh, I get a lot, a lot of knowledge from your podcast, and I'm oh. so grateful to you for that. Um, I feel like no matter if you're in this field or if you're just living your life every day, things happen. There is a lot of people that want to hurt you, aggressive people. They might not even want to hurt you. They're just so hurting inside that they will put it on you. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, girls fight, guys fight, anyone. So I feel like if you just, you don't have to constantly worry about those things. You don't have to be paranoid. But if you know things like small parts, like body language, you know, if someone is leaning towards you and they're feeling really aggressive, they're really hot at it, you better, if you can't take the first punch, you better step back, you know? Yeah. Small things like that. If you know you can't fight, if you know you can't protect yourself, it's not cowardly to step back. It's just being smart, yeah. you know? Um so I feel like there's so much information in that. And I, I constantly try to improve myself on whatever yeah. I'm doing, whatever I think. Every day I'm working, I think, what can I do to be better at this? Because yeah. I love it. And training, a lot of training. Um, yeah. I really want to turn professional this year. I want to get myself a good fight. So I'm working in on that. Boxing? In boxing, yes. That's hey. another strong passion of mine that I want to are you training in like boxing or are you doing like MMA or kickboxing I do boxing I, I know that yeah. there is a lot of money in MMA right now but it wasn't always like that there wasn't always female MMA that right. was popular you know and I feel like a lot of people just betray boxing and they're locked <laughs> boxing for money you know they just yeah, run yeah. there oh UFC has money let me do it let me do it because it has money honestly I want money, but in a sense, I just want to have enough of everything I need. I'm so in love with boxing. I feel yeah. like there's so much grace and beauty and something, something so incredible. I fell in love. I never wanted yeah. to do even kickboxing afterwards. So I feel yeah. like I want to bring that back to boxing that's been lost because everyone's just running from a ship that's not popular anymore, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Somewhere cool. that's good. Yeah. Um, so... Do you need yeah, to take, answer gonna, that? If I do not. No, I do not, <laughs> I do not. answer that. <laughs> and I don't know if you hang up on someone once why they keep calling, you know, three or right? times. No, I, have I don't code. get it. <laughs> I have a code with anyone who knows me knows. If you double call me, I will answer the phone. I will stop heaven and earth and I will answer the phone if you're important enough. But if you double call me and it's not important, and yes, and you ask me something like, "Hey, man, like, yes. yeah. something <laughs> not important." You lose your double call privilege. So Absolutely, yeah. You yes. double call me, I will answer the phone no matter what's happening. But don't waste it. <laughs> I I am sure this is not important. <laughs> I'm more than That's sure. Right. Okay, cool, cool. Um, okay, so you were saying basically, so you do a lot of training. And I do everyday training. I train people. Um, 
whenever I'm not with a client or if I'm working in the evening, my daytime is always me training. Uh, I have a lot of clients. I have a lot of people that I help to fight. I have a lot of girls that I teach self-defense. And awesome. it's so enjoyable to see them grow. And you, you take pride in it because you help them. You know, it just, yeah. it's another thing about, yes, of course they pay me, but you know, it's something selfless. You know, I put my heart in it. And I want to, I want to make sure, even if they don't want to fight, I want to make sure they do it right. I want to make sure their technique is flawless. So when someone sees them do that, they say, oh, wow, <laughs> you know, because a lot of trainers nowadays, they just hold the meats for them and they let them do whatever, just take their money and go, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Everything I do, I have to put my heart in it. Outstanding. That's the only way to do anything. Only love- way. Growing up with a bodyguard, you know, like, what was it like? Why did your parents get you a bodyguard? Well, you know, um, Basically, where I come from, it's it's not a peaceful place. Nowadays, it's better, but there is always there is always something happening. There's there's always some danger around you. Um, and back in the '90s, when I was a kid, it was very popular. If your parents are wealthy, uh, which my dad was, they would kidnap a kid for ransom. That was their way of making money. And it was almost like a business that was starting. It was terrible. You always hear this news about someone being kidnapped and sent by parts to their parents, you know, terrifying. And then, yeah, it it, it was awful. And it was going on for a long time in the 90s. Um, So one day my dad just left the house and my mom was taking me to a kindergarten. I don't remember how old I was, but... I don't know, kindergarten, what age do you usually go there? And we had some kind of party. I was all happy wearing my bow ties and my hair and my white dress. And my mom was finishing putting Uh. my shoes on. And my dad left really 20 minutes before when the door just gets broken. uh, And there is, I don't know, maybe like six to 10 guys in masks, you know, uh, all geared up with guns run in uh so the first thing of course they wanted to grab me (laughs) um my mom took me really close to her she started holding me um while other guys were just running around the house and just collecting everything they could my dad used to we traveled a lot we traveled to europe a lot and he he was obsessed with antique guns and antique jewelry he had those gold old revolvers with stones in them that were really beautiful we had them hanging over the fireplace so they cleaned up everything while the other two was trying to take me away from my mom and and that was so terrifying but i remember thinking that left a lot of guilt in me to be honest that i couldn't protect my mother uh as a kid i just felt so helpless and not being able to do anything against them they were trying to rip me away from her And she was holding so tight that they couldn't do it. The love of the mother, huh? She was holding so tight that they started hitting her head on the wall. Like they were actually beating her up to to make her let go of me. Um, And at the moment, at the whole of that happening, uh, my uncle and my neighbor came in. Thank God that was just a blessing from the skies. They came in bare bare hands, you know, no guns no gear, nothing. And that's, again, another thing that I think that's more important than anything, than your background, than your training, than 
whatever your gear you have is your heart. Absolutely. They came barehanded against the guns and the guys were just running. My, I saw my uncle taking them like a puppies on their neck and throwing them aside. He is a tall, huge guy, like my dad. They're all yeah. brothers are like that. Um, and it just made me feel so happy. I don't think I've ever been so happy to see him. Um, and after that, of course, my dad hired me. It was his people that end up, you know, protecting us. They were always with him, but then they just start uh, protecting us after that because it's been happening around. And I, I can't, I can't stress enough how important it is to 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 be willing to give your life for someone else, to be willing to give your life for their safety. I've seen when the war started, uh, there was, it was everywhere in the news. Um, they didn't have enough ammunition. So one of the guys was going against tank with a knife, with a knife in his hand. That's how much fire, that's how much desire to protect his nation he had. Um, yeah. And I think that's the only thing that really matters. So yeah, they got me a bodyguard. He was going everywhere with me, like everywhere. Uh, we go to the seaside. He's there, you know, like water parks, you know, I think yeah. that's how you say in English, water parks. <laughs> yes, He's there is. just standing, sweating, <laughs> you know, watching yeah. me. At, at a time, it would be a couple of them, but it was mostly one guy always there with me, always. Um, and at the time, you know, I've, I've seen what happens when you don't have people with you. And he made me feel safe. He made me feel protected. He never made me feel like he's pushing on me or I feel like it's too much. He just made me feel good. Never from everything I remember, a single time, he, I, I didn't like it. Never. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Rewind. So yeah. <laughs> experience and maybe we found like the, like the, the event, you know, like the event that really caused this work to be deep in your heart. You know, it is. It, it it has a lot of meaning to me. And I remember telling him, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to do what you're doing. And he said, no, no, you're a girl, you know, and where I come <laughs> from, you're a girl. You're just, you know, you're going to marry, yeah. you're going to have kids, you know, <laughs> you're yeah. not going to do this. And I would, that's the only time I'd be upset with him. You know, he doesn't want me to be like him. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I think that's so great. You know what he's doing? It's, it's great. But I mean, your feeling of helplessness. It was awful. Yes. And it made me feel guilty watching how they hurt my mom and I can't do anything. Uh, I was thinking, you know, I should have, I should have. But what could I do? I was kicking them with my little legs. But, you know, I'm a kid. But there's something inside of me that's still, that's the feeling. that's, That's probably the only thing I'm still working on. It's hard for me to accept situations where I'm helpless, where I can't do anything. It's really, it's still hard for me. Yes, yeah. that's true. Accepting Water. things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, some things you shouldn't accept, but... Um, There's that, a lot of things we are helpless with, you know? Yeah, but there, yeah, there's the art things of... of life. Yeah. Yeah, the art of surrender is a life skill. Um, it's very important. But, so I think that maybe that experience really has driven you into this industry and has probably driven you on a daily basis never to be there again. 
I think so. I think so. Uh, actually, that's what I was thinking, you know, before this, you don't really analyze. I mean, I do analyze a lot myself, but yeah. this is deep. when you start seeing the patterns of your life and how that makes you into what you are. Yeah. And that's going back to your identity that you start being attached to that you think that's who you are. It's certain events that made you the way you are right now, you know, that yeah. you choose things that you, you choose right now. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I think that's where it all comes from. I've always had that something I want to be strong. I want to protect, you know, yeah. at the time I couldn't protect and my yeah. uncle and, you know, my neighbor was there and I wanted to be like them, you know, those people yeah. that can protect. Yes, awesome. absolutely. The uh, Something else you said too about um, the way he made you feel, you know, do you remember his name? Uh, I don't even or remember can- his name. Yeah, okay. huh? Are you? I was going to say, would you be able to say it even if you did? Uh, it, okay. it was, well, they always call him by a nickname. <laughs> of course. Everyone called him by a nickname. And uh, I couldn't probably even translate it if I'd remember it because it yeah. was something in my language that, you know, there's one thing that, some things that you can't translate from one language to another. But I don't remember details like that. I don't remember his name, but I remember the feelings. I remember his face. I remember everything else, you know? Really? Yeah, well, him. You remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And you talked about the way he made you feel, which I think as practitioners is something we need to chase, you know? We have to. There's like a time when you're with your client and there's this like, not a fusion, but you're just in step. You're in flow. It's, it's like a friendship. You know, but it's like when you know your client feels safe and confident in you. and You have to make them feel safe. If they just feel like there is some kind of guy that's strong and that's going to protect <laughs> him, he yeah. will feel a bit threatened and uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I see a lot of agents that, that you know, want to prove their masculinity and they want to act that way, but without necessary concern about their client, you know. Yeah. It can become a very huge weakness. Absolutely. It is. It is. Yeah. Everything's got to be in balance. You've got to be healthy. Well, yeah. Whenever you're trying to prove yourself, that always comes from a weakness, never from a strength. People that are strong, they don't try. They don't try to show how masculine they are or how strong they are and how they know what they're doing, you know, pushing their knowledge on their client. You know, he didn't hire you to educate him for, you know, how the job is done. He hired you to make you to make him feel safe, to make him feel protected. Like he doesn't have to worry about what's happening behind his back. You know? Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, that's important. Like your face changed when you were talking about how he made you feel. Yeah, and even when we went to the water park, uh, yeah. it was him and another another guy. So. You know, I was so attached to him. And then I have to go up to the stairs and take the uh, ride down. He didn't uh-huh. want to let me go alone, even up to the stairs. He didn't want me alone, kid going up, you know, and he doesn't know what's going to happen, you know, whatever could happen. So he wanted to go up with me, but I wanted him to ride the, the, the actual, uh, what is it? What is it right. called? <laughs> yeah, to, to ride it with me. And he started panicking. That's the first time I've seen him panic. Oh, yeah. He was no, 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 no. I can't. I can't. No, no. Yana, I'll wait for you here. And he's going to take you down there. I said, no, please. You have to go with me. 
So I actually, <laughs> he started calling my dad saying that she wants me to take a ride with her. But I can't, I really can't. Please don't make me do this. <laughs> <laughs> like he was very real, you know. He wasn't afraid to show his weak side, which made him stronger in my eyes that he wasn't yeah. afraid to show that he's actually afraid to take the ride. <laughs> And he did it for me, you know, he actually did it for me. And it meant more. It meant so much more, way more. Is there any advice you would give to practitioners, being that you've, you know, been on the receiving end of service? Um, Are there a few things that stand out as things that um, agents should focus on doing well? Yes, I feel like most of the agents, at least from my experience, the ones that I've met, are too self-centered. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to offend anyone, but that's true. That's just my personal observation. Um, yes. Whenever they're at work, they want to make new connections. And I absolutely understand that. We're in this job where today you have a job, tomorrow you don't. Yes. When you find, you need people to know about you, you need exposure. I understand all those things, but it takes away from the quality of your work. You stop paying attention to what's happening around you. You stop paying attention to your client. I've seen this so many times when they're turning around, talking to someone that wants to introduce themselves because they want to make new connections. They want to get their network going. It's important. Do it on your off time. Go out, do whatever you need to do. Don't do it when you're with your client. When you're with your client, Every second, that's all you have to think about. You have to do your job. I, I feel like it doesn't matter. If you do it right, if you do it good, you will get the next client. Don't worry. Trust the life. Trust the process. Just do your job. Do it good. And the next thing will come. Just stop stressing. I think that's the most important advice I can give. Just pay attention to your client. Be sensitive. Stop trying to prove something. Stop pushing your knowledge. You know, oh, you don't know. They start arguing that the client doesn't know what's better. I have to be close. He doesn't want me close. He wants me to stay aside. And that's the the very thin line. You have to be so sensitive and so gentle, if you can use that word, you know, to where you give him space, but you still do your job the way you think you should be doing it. Don't butt head with him, you know. Don't try to prove that you're more man or that you know something better. Obviously, he's not doing this job, but your job is to make him comfortable while still performing your duties at 100%. So just just pay attention, you know? Just don't get outside of you, you know? Think about other things, you know? Yes. What's the important thing? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that's fantastic advice. Um, and I've seen guys get, you know, let go because they're really qualified but they can't be flexible enough to um to flow with the client the way the client wants it done there's a balance you know you don't want to be too relaxed and then you know when your client needs you you're not there but um more often than not you know learning how to flex and flow with your client is huge it's very big being too rigid will get you which nowhere and then the other thing you said the whole, you know, e- ego kind of clash yeah. of arguing. You have to let it go. Like you have, if they want you to stand somewhere and you don't feel you can protect them, yeah. everything you can, but um, you're going to have to be in those positions 
and learn how to deal with those positions. And if you think it's a really big deal, give your advisement. Okay, sir, you know, ma'am, I don't, you know, I advise against it. If it's a really big deal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but not advice. be pushy with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Pushy. Willing to do what they ask you to do because ultimately, yeah. you know, um, they're the ones making the decision as well. Um, personally, that's the way I roll. You know, I've, I've heard guys that are like, you know, basically if my client doesn't do what I want him to do, then I'm not going to work for him because I don't want to, you know, I'm like, dude, all right. To uh, me, that's, that's a certain lack of intelligence, honestly. <laughs> you yeah. can't be flexible if you're just one way, you're set up like that. This is how I was trained. It just shows that you're not as smart as you want to portray yourself, you know? You don't have, <laughs> it's just yeah. true. You don't have the intellectual options to figure out how to do it another way. Yeah, you, there's um, always a way to please both sides, to make him safe and make him feel comfortable. Never yeah. make him feel like, I've been safe. My bodyguard never, never, since I, you know, since he's been with me, never been in a situation where I felt like, you know, he's pushing on me or I don't have enough space. I've always had enough space and I've always been protected. He's yeah. done both, and he's done it brilliantly without trying to show how manly he is, show <laughs> weak sides, you know? Just being yeah. a human being. Yeah. Good. Good. Not playing James Bond or, you know? <laughs> <laughs> not trying to make off. <laughs> Yeah, or not to be, like, overcomplicated. So it's, yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of things we do are common sense, you know? I love um, that. A lot of them, it's like, I had someone else ask me the other day if they were getting ready to go to a, a job. And I was kind of like, look, man, like, how would you protect someone? Like, yeah. there, like, there's a lot of things that are like really, really like high level things to do. But if you're out there with a client on the streets, it's like, well, how would you keep this person safe? Yes. You know, and if you especially if you already have a military law enforcement background, you should understand some things. Or even if you grew up in a bad neighborhood, you should understand some things, you know, because you get the, you learn to be aware of your surroundings, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you know where not to let people stand around you, you know, like Yes, especially when you're back to them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I've yeah. seen that happen so many times. Just lack We're, of common sense. Yeah, and that's that's anyways. <laughs> where were you uh let's see, did you ever feel did you ever notice him doing his job? Like were there any specific circumstances where you were like Thank God you were here. He, well, <laughs> you know, I've been getting in a lot of fights. And most of the times. When you're a little? Have, yeah. When he already was with me, I would I would yeah. get into the fights. And he would have wow. to actually drag me out of it. And the thing is, it didn't feel like he's doing his job. It felt like <laughs> he's willing to give it all for me, to save me, to, to save yeah. me. Literally, there was one situation where um, a man was driving and I was just getting out of my car and my my guard, my bodyguard was with me and the man almost ran me over. So, you know, I was I was really (laughs) I got really angry. I used to be very hot headed when I was younger. So I started kicking the, the car. The guy, you know, obviously stopped. I ran to him. I dragged him out of the car. And I start beating him. And (laughs) my bodyguard uh, came in between us, pulling us apart. And when the guy started yelling at him and saying bad things at him, 
I felt like he's my family. You're offending my family. I wanted to protect him, <laughs> my bodyguard. So I ran back again. And that was the time when um, police was driving by. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me and he says, Ron. So he stayed there for me to take all the blame for me. Wow. That just shows the willingness to go far. If you're not willing to give your life for your client, get out of this field. Do not do it because there will be situations that you might be required to do it. And I, unfortunately, I've seen agents run. I've seen them run and hide. And I could not believe my eyes with a military background when there was a fight happening with a client. I've seen that happen. Um, so no. <laughs> I've seen, no, unfortunately, no. that's true. I've heard yeah. conversations like, if really you would have to like risk your life, would you do it for him? I don't even like him. I couldn't believe my ears. How, you know, lawyers, when they protect someone, they can protect a killer they don't like, but they're doing their job. This is your job. You're doing. It's like going into a medical field and cheating on your exams. <laughs> but you're, you're dealing with someone else's life. If yeah. you're not willing to, to, basically he was willing to go to prison for me, for beating yeah. someone up. If you're not willing to do that, this is, yes, this is a good money job, but it's not about the money. It's yeah. not. It's, uh, you're getting paid like that because you're risking your life. And you have to understand that it seems very nice and fancy. You're around nice cars, you're around. So I feel like a lot of younger people just want to do it because it yeah. looks cool, you know? I can post right. it on my Instagram or something. And they're just so unprofessional. And they're just... I feel like they don't understand how serious this is. This is not a game you're playing. This is someone's life. They hire you because there is an actual threat on their life, not because they want someone to share their luxurious life with, you know? Right. No, that's good. Um, I mean, you said so many good things there. It definitely is more than just a job. As you say, Um, lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It requires a lifestyle. And it's not so much about, to me, for me personally, and I don't know if this will resonate with folks listening or not, but for me, it's not so much about whom I'm protecting. Like, unless the person doing something horrible, you know, on like, unless they're like a bad person, then I won't sign on to protect them. I guess yeah, but then... Then again, that's why you're doing this. This is more of an independent job. You're not working for the government. You're not taking orders where you have to shoot someone you don't want to shoot or you have to do something you have no desire to do. You can right. shoot who you work for. Exactly. So if you think this person is an asshole and you don't feel like protecting him, don't. Just step yeah. away. Find another client. Exactly. And so for me, it's about more than the person. Like, I don't do this necessarily i have like i'm in a, in a good spot right now with my clients where you know i really really love and respect my client load um i'm not just saying that because i have to because they might be listening because <laughs> <laughs> they're listening right. Right, right, right but there have been times in the past where i'm like really like this is what the next you know week or a few days of detail is going to be like many times and it's not about the individual it's about the work it's about it byron's principle did or didn't make it, you know, that's really ultimately all that we're talking about here. You know, um, as long as they're paying me at the end of the detail and they're not like, you know, disrespecting me, you know, and treating me like dirt, like I'm, I'm there and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, so yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, it's, 
And, and, and too many people, I think, get in and out of this business and get in and out of many things without actually deciding, am I willing to pay the ultimate cost that this job may, may require of me? Whether you're a cop, whether you're, I mean, honestly, to me, you should be living life this way. Like, yes. tomorrow's not promised. Like, I could get in a car accident today. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to be fine with that because I'm doing work that, like, causes me to feel alive and be alive and, like, you know, this work is going to be, perpet- this will outlast me, you know, but that's why the way I live my life, I'm ready to die any day I go to work. And this is the work I do because of that. Because any but, day you're lost. That's absolutely yeah. true. And all human beings with no exception, will have this deep seated fear of death. Uh, you know, even Freud said that, that unconsciously we're all afraid of death. And that's so true. And I feel like it's something you have to work on yourself. You have to let go of that because if you're if you're afraid of it, you won't live. You will you will be very limited to life if you're afraid of death because it's just a part of it. It's just a part of life. It's just a part of the whole process of the bigger picture. I think fearing death to me is like fearing gravity. This is an inevitability. <laughs> like I'm literally living every single day. Yeah. For this event, like, because in Iraq, when I got blown up that last time, 60 some pounds of homemade explosives detonated directly underneath me, I thought I was dead. And I remember being like, God, no, like, I didn't even, I wasn't even awake. Like, I didn't even mean it yet. Like, I didn't even, I'm like 19, I'm a pile of dust on the floor. Like, I wasn't even deliberate. Like, did I even do anything I wanted to do? You know, like, I remember thinking these thoughts and I remember being like, if I get to go back, I'm going to go ham. Like, I'm going to be so deliberate and so thankful and so grateful and try to get everyone else to wake up, yeah. you know? Yeah, wake um, up. That's a good way. It lies, <laughs> please, in before and after. You wake up. That's true. Yeah. You stop being ignorant to life. Yeah. So, you know, I say all that to say, yeah, like, you really have to think about whether you're willing. Man, you shouldn't do anything in life, really, that you don't have to do, that you're not willing to die over. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Like you got to work your job, work your job because it's getting you close to a lot, closer yeah. to a life yeah. or you get to do something you're willing to die over. That's my yeah, even, even in one of his interviews, Steve Jobs said the same yeah. thing. He said, I look in the mirror and I ask myself, if this is the last day of my life, would I be doing what I'm doing today or would I be doing something different? Yeah. Is there anything else specifically that stood out about your growing up with a bodyguard? All of it. Honestly, I can't even point apart. I am so grateful that that happened in my life. I am so grateful that there was someone, that there was an opportunity for me to have a bodyguard, that there was someone to protect me, that that person was so selfless, willing to give it all for me. Uh, that, that, that was the best thing. That was what stood up the most, seeing yeah. a human being willing to sacrifice himself for you. It's just... Yeah. It's just so my heart fills my heart. I love it. Yeah. And every human being that is that way on this planet, thank you. <laughs> if they're listening, if that's how you feel, I feel like some people feel that that's uh, that's something bad. That that's something they have to change. That they have to be harder. That they have to be meaner. No, no, no. Be nice. Be gentle to others. Be kind. Be willing to sacrifice yourself. Be willing to serve another. It's not even a serving. If you include everyone else as a part of yourself, when you tie your own shoes, you don't say, oh, I served myself today. I tied my own shoes. No, you did it for yourself. 
do it for others the same way. Tie their shoes without saying that you did something for them. It's natural. It's, it's something so natural. And if every single person would act that way, would think that way, this world would be such so much better and so much more pleasant to live in. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, I, I couldn't agree more. It's people, and, and uh, two things I want to say. One, I think you're talking about, there's really an energy that you bring to an engagement with another human, especially a client when you have settled inside of yourself what you're willing to do and how far you're willing to go for that person. Yes. It's something we're all very energetic. We're all psychologists. And it's something that clients are going to detect, whether you're 100% there, committed, appreciative, and, and focused. Energy uh, doesn't lie. That's true. They all feel it. They always feel fear. You know, dogs can sniff fear on you uh, too. They yeah. feel everything. When you're lying, they'll feel it. When your heart is not fully there, they'll feel it. And honestly, not even for them. Do it for yourself. Right. Why do you want to leave someone's life that you don't like? <laughs> you're living <laughs> your life. You're on their schedule. You yeah. have to like them. It's. I feel like it's just going to make your job easier. It does make the job easier. I've definitely had to work some that I have. I've had to be like, I'm going to be a professional. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> but, and the other thing I was going to say is, yes, with regards to the way of being with other people in terms of living a life of contribution and, and putting others first. Um, I was talking about this the other day. It's like people think that if they don't win or they kind of come from a, a competitive nature, um, that they have to do that in order to measure up and show up and, and get ahead. But what I, what I really want and what I try to help guys understand when they come onto a detail is a rising tide lifts all ships that are at sea. You're here to bring up the average. If you focus on contribution, you will render a higher quality work product that will get you um, appreciation and financially reciprocated and kind to your Absolutely, you have to. And it's like organic. It like just happens and it's more pure and abundant when you're like, hey, how can I make the team better? How can I make my client's life better? And I don't think about myself, but when that comes full circle, it's like everyone appreciates you. Everyone wants you there. Everyone is giving to you because you're contributing on just like we were talking about in the beginning, a higher level. And that's yeah. the game, you know? That's when you actually shine, when you're yeah, yourself. True. So, good stuff, good stuff. How do you believe um, your experience, or do you believe that your experience growing up with a personal protector has helped you deliver, you know, high-quality service? Yes, because I do understand what it feels like, feeling unsafe, feeling like you're threatened, feeling fear deep fear that's very real um it's it made me understand what it's like to be on that side it made me be more thinking more about my client than myself uh, willing to go that far from my client and to me it's not really i love people at their worst I don't believe that there is any single human being that doesn't have some goodness in their heart. It's just whatever they're acting that you might think, oh, he's an asshole or he's a bad person. There's something in it. If you look deeper, you'll find a wonderful person. You can always find a way to love people. It's very easy to judge. It's very easy to hate, but it's so hard to love. And if we manage to do that, it's basically focusing on the good stuff, on positive sides of it, not negative. You just do a job so easily and so it just comes to you naturally because you care for them. And when you care for them, you do your job better. You have to care. You can't just 
I feel like you have to do it with your heart. It has to come from your heart. And if yeah. you want to appreciate the person the way they are, we've all had terrible moments. There is not a single person that haven't been horrible. I've been angry. I've been bad to people. But it doesn't mean that I'm bad. It just means that that's the time or something they're going through. You just, you just have to be more understandable, I guess, and not take things personally. Nothing that other human being is doing has ever anything to do with you. It's something that's happening inside the world. It has... And a lot of times it has a lot to do with the, their relationship with themselves. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm lucky, honestly, to be doing this job and to know how it feels on both hands. I'm really yeah. lucky. Outstanding. And, yeah. I and I, I've learned from the best. He was incredible. Yeah. Without knowing awesome. he's doing his job, without even knowing that's what he was doing. Yeah. You know, I knew he's protecting me. That's fantastic. Good. That's the way we want it to be. Um, if you were going to say kind of your own ethos of what you believe executive protection is about, what would you say? What's executive protection about to you? Making this world a better and a safer place. Um, preventing unnecessary violence that causes more violence. You know, there is a law of lives. I don't know how to explain it, but when something happens, it always multiplies. The more anger there is, the more violence there is, it attracts more anger and more violence. Just because we're there, even if someone wanted to do something bad, they might stop. So we might not even have to prevent it just because we're there. And I feel grateful for everyone that's doing this job because it's a hard job. We work hard hours. We barely do things we want to do. Um, I think it's really about making this world safer and better. And it's not selfless. It's incredible. That's what I think it's ultimately about. Just bringing something better to this world, bringing more peaceful and positive energy that we so need. Look at all these fires that are happening in the world. I strongly believe that it's all connected to our emotions, our anger, this world is feeling because we're all one. We, we came from this earth with the food that we're consuming. We became as big and as adult as we are, and we're going to go back to this earth. So we're all so connected that we don't even realize how deep it is. And it's so important to keep everything around us peaceful, happy, positive. The world is going to be so much better because there is bodyguards and there's people like law enforcement people, military, that are trying to make it safer. Outstanding. <laughs> I like it. What is your, uh, what would you say are your weaknesses? Uh, it's hard for me to accept things, again, coming back to where I'm helpless. Certainly yeah. in life that I have no control over. I'm really learning to accept and give in in the flow of life. If I can't change something, I accept it. And uh, I'm still working on that. That, I would say, is my weakness because I always want to save the day. I always want to, you know, fix things. But sometimes things, even the ones that go wrong, maybe there's a reason they go wrong. Maybe it's not wrong. Maybe it's right, you know. So to me, it's giving in my thinking to a higher power. That's the hardest part. Surrender. <laughs> That's my weakness. Yeah. Surrender is very difficult for strong people. Um, it just is because you can control most everything. Uh, do you usually, do you usually or prefer to work solo or with a team? 
Uh, it depends what kind of team it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Some what teams, I on? feel like I wish I would be working solo because they are making my job harder, not easier. Yeah. They're cooperating. They're not making a contribution to the team. They're very self-centered and they don't even seem like they care about what they're doing. You know, I hear yeah. a lot. Oh, this is so easy. We're making easy money. I just, <laughs> it makes me speechless. This yeah. is easy. You're not here to just look buff and stand there and pretend you're doing something cool. No, no, please stop. <laughs> Go do bodybuilding, something, acting, if you want to play like a tough guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just So it really depends what kind of team. And then, again, there has been good teams that I worked on. There's been incredible agents I've worked with. So it really, it really depends. I don't have a yes or no answer for that. What do you, what do you, how do you react to a team that is just, uh, if you don't feel like they are a tough team to work with, how do you usually react to that? I don't interfere. I, I still do my job. Uh, it's not my place to teach anyone. I don't believe I know better than someone else. I think that's also would be a bit of a stupidity, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. So I just keep it to myself. I, If someone asks me, I'll say. If no one is asking my opinion, I'll keep it to myself. You know, I, I don't try to push my views of work or world on anyone. Yeah, outstanding. <laughs> what, um, what, what client demographic do you, do you have a preference? Or, yeah, do you have any client demographic preference? No, I don't really. Um, it's it's nice to work for people that treat you well. Uh, it's nice <laughs> yeah. to work for people that, yeah, that have common sense, uh, yes. that understand the importance of the job you're doing, that respect what you're doing, uh, that actually value that you're risking something for them. Because right. I feel like a lot of them think you're there for money. Um, and that's pretty much kind of puts you down in their eyes you know yeah. you're just here for my money because you know most of the people we're going to be working for they're wealthy people uh and they're used to people treating them in that way they're used to people trying to take advantage of them they're used to people sticking around only for their money so yeah. they don't know what real feelings are because they're, they're they've been burned that's true and you have to you have to keep that in your mind that they've been burned. And if they, even if they say something, you know, uh, disrespectful, or if they think that you're here for money, it's not because you're doing something wrong or something is wrong with you. It's because that's their experience of life. Uh, yep. So I feel like I, I, I rarely get offended with anything my clients is doing. I, it's very hard to offend me. I don't care. If you call me, I don't know, a rooster, that doesn't make me a rooster. I'm still young, you know? Like, it doesn't <laughs> It's just your view. <laughs> so I've seen guys blow up and get all angry and mad and walk out of the detail. You don't just walk out on someone and leave them alone and protect it because they acted out. This is exactly why they need a protection. <laughs> because maybe they don't know how to control themselves and they get in trouble, you know? Yeah. So, no, great answer. I'm the same way. It's remarkably difficult to offend me. Like, there's just usually not a really good reason. Like, it just yeah. isn't. I've but I've pretty- seen people blow out because of the tone yeah. he spoke to them. He spoke yeah. to them. Or because he said, move out or stay away from me. Yeah. 
whatever, stay away. If you want Don't to stay, stay away, stay yeah, exactly. away. what's your problem? You know, I feel like they're trying to compete with their clients a lot. I see that a lot. You're yeah. not there. It's just, I feel like maybe even if you want to do this job and you, you're willing to risk it all, work on yourself a little, you know, make yourself better, make your character better. Yeah, I would say that that is one thing that if I, you know, I had a guy ask me this morning for a list of books like to read that'll make him a better agent. And like, uh-huh. I probably gave him 10 books, six out of the 10 books were like personal development books. And I'm like, yeah. because it's just going to give you a more robust nature. Like it's going to give you the type of nature that's going to make it so that you can respond intelligently you'll have higher levels of emotional intelligence um and you'll be able to deal with things just on a much much better level you know and without that you know there's so many different pitfalls in this game that you will uh you're gonna run into (laughs) yes yes because there will always be someone that will say something that you might take as offensive So that's that's the game. Same way, yeah. I'm really same way. It's like I know why I'm here. Oh, my client had a bad day and didn't talk to me. Cool, <laughs> I did my job. Oh, my client, you know, said something I didn't like in the car, or like, you know, was like a little snappy today. Cool, I did my job. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, like, like cool, like you know, I'm, I'm living someone's life with them. You're there always. for them, not for you. <laughs> If they want to have a bad day, that's their day, you know? That's their day, yeah, exactly. You're on their train. (laughs) Oh, that's that's a great, that's the way I approach it. Um, If you were going to say you had specific strengths in executive protection, what would those be? I'm very sensitive and very intuitive. I see things coming before they come. I cannot explain how that works, but I can sense it with my back. If you approach me from, from the back, I'll feel it. I have, I think... Boxing gave me a lot of good reactions, you know, very good timing, very good reactions. Those are definitely my strong points. And the strongest one is I'm there because I care. I love it. I want to do it. I, I would do it for free. I think that's my strongest point. Yeah. I actually put my heart in it. Yeah, that's I'm huge. That's a very intelligent response. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Because uh, most people go into like more tactical things, but that one thing, like being there because you want to and you really That's what it. I think, you know, tactical things, everything disappears. It's, it's the same as when you are in the ring, you know, yeah. you have your technique, you can have your endurance, but when it gets really hard, when you're at the point where you feel like I can't breathe no more, not only punch, I can't breathe. <laughs> this is how hard yeah. I've been going for rounds. It's hot. I'm hurt, you know, I'm tired. There's something else within you that wins that fight. So it's the same in the field when you're working. Your heart and your spirit is what wins the fight. It's, it's, I have that picture of a guy with a knife walking towards a, uh, what is it, a tank? And it just, it, that's the picture that, that would describe my feeling towards it. Your tactical background, everything can just disappear in a second. Uh, but what stays is your heart and your spirit. Yeah. It's way more important than anything else. You cannot be educated. Maybe you're not even professional, but you have a heart and you want to do it. You might even beat up some good people in the field, you know? 
Yeah, you just have to do it for the yeah. You have to do it for the right reasons and with the right energy. Yeah. I agree. And if you're not, the game has a way of um, exploiting your weaknesses. Yeah. Just because it's so much access and access. People, yeah, but your weaknesses aren't really your weaknesses. They're only weaknesses because you're not aware of them and you don't use them in a the right way. You don't work on them. Yeah, you don't work on them. What do you like least about executive? That sometimes I can have a plan because I thought I have a day off and I'm really excited and my heart is there at the beach already and I'm laying under the sun listening to some nice music and then the client calls me into work. I never say no. I always work. I always choose work first. But that's probably the least uh, pleasant and unfortunately people around not always are understanding. Um, they can be upset because when you don't do this job, you don't really understand that you don't have your own schedule. Yeah. They can call you in the middle of the night if they need to, and you'll get ready and you'll go. So probably that, because it, it takes me a bit to like readjust. Okay. We're not going to the beach today. <laughs> we're going to work 14 hours and straight, you know? So yeah. that, that, that is the only downside for me. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. How about you, if you don't mind me asking? What's your least favorite thing about the the job? Least favorite thing about the job. Let's see here. You know, clients don't really affect me really too much. I think my least favorite thing about the job is seeing someone, another agent, um, coming from the wrong place when they're doing the job and not knowing that they're that, that what they're doing is going to hurt them and the team and everyone around them knowing that like all they really want is like what's best for themselves yes um, but but being able to see that like that wanting what's best for themselves and that scarcity mentality is going to cause them to do things that are going to be corrosive to the team and then ultimately corrosive to them and cause them ultimately to lose and I hate it when I'm like sitting there and I'm like, bro, check this out. I know this is a little counterintuitive, but what you need to do yeah. is you need to lift everyone up. You need to protect these guys, even at your own expense sometimes. If yeah. the client's like, hey, what the heck's going on with Jeff? You need to be yeah. like, you know what? Jeff's a really good guy. He just had kind of an off day. And, you know, like uh, he noticed it, you know, blah, 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 blah. And cover him. Because if you don't do that, if you go with the client, like, yeah, I don't know, Jeff's been slipping. I'll go talk to him because I'm the man. That makes you just the same way as that. Yeah, yeah, like the client might might like it at that moment or whatever. But making a bed for yourself that almost I've seen it end in calamity so many times. And so I hate it when I'm looking at a guy and I'm like, you're just scared. And you just want certainty and safety, yeah. which doesn't really exist. Yeah, and it doesn't. Oh, that's so brilliant. To- Can we repeat that? <laughs> the certainty and safety doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's an illusion. That's just an illusion. That's just yeah. And so you're doing things to try to make yourself secure, and you're destabilizing other people and things, and it's going to end in you losing. Yes. And so, yes. you know, I, I, it's hard because getting someone to realize that they have to kind of like let go of their strategy and adopt a strategy that they don't have the intellectual reference points to really have lived and therefore easily accept or believe 
you have to get them to believe. Yeah, so it's that's that's when I'm like, dang it, I don't want you to lose. That that answer really shows your heart. Really shows who you are. That you care enough for another human being. And I think that's so rare to see another agent having someone someone's bag that they are angry at <laughs> that they think they're <laughs> terrible and why are you being so ignorant. And yeah. I, I really appreciate that about you. That's incredible. That's so nice. Thank yeah, you. true. But that's another thing where you feel a little bit helpless because you can tell them that, but it's up to them up whether to them. they follow or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's up to them. And so, yeah, that's when I get frustrated. And you have to accept yeah. and surrender. Yeah. It's and like that like saying, we can't change people. We can only yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe like, that love really changes people. It can. Yeah. So I just, yeah, like I have to just let them go on their path and where they're at and that development is going to dictate the outcome. What would you say is your proudest moment in executive protection? When my client and actually a couple of them told me that they've never felt as safe in their life as when I'm standing next to them. That makes me just burst inside with <laughs> I just feel like, yes, yes, that's the feeling I want to bring. I want you to feel safe. And I, I say that's the best compliment and that's the best achievement. That's the ultimate goal of what I'm doing. Outstanding. It so is. That is, that is. If you could send a message to your former protect, protector, what would you say to him? I would Some- say thank you. Uh, I don't know if he even... I don't think he realizes how big of an impact he made on my life. Uh, and I would tell him, look, <laughs> you told me I won't be doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. And I feel like people may be gone from your life, but if they're in your heart, they're never really gone. There is no such thing as distance or space. You know, they're within you and you, you keep them and you cherish your memories. And I would just say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being an incredible person, for being an incredible human being. I hope hope life blesses him with everything he deserves because I truly believe when you give out like that, that's exactly when you receive. You have to give first before you receive. Yeah. Yeah. And I I hope he's happy (laughs) wherever he is, whatever he's doing. I hope he's happy and safe. Yeah. Just God bless him, yeah. Yeah, that's outstanding. I hope this somehow finds its way out there, too. Totally, but I I am more than sure he does not even know how to say his name in English. (laughs) (laughs) He might be able to say hi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's a beautiful message, absolutely. Um, And it shows the impact he had on you, which is fantastic. And this is all showing what the impact a good agent can have on someone's life and the way that you can, you know, like in ways minister to someone, you know, by just being there and just being safe and just being a positive influence, you know, that happens. You, you start, especially when you're a kid, you start thinking, is this world bad? Is this world, this world, (laughs) it kind of starts building your view of this world. But then someone comes in and shows you that the world is good. Yeah. <laughs> part of it. And that's exactly what, what good agents do. They show that this world is good, no matter how much bad is happening around us, that it's mm-hmm. still good. 
Absolutely. The uh, what would be your favorite quote, mantra, saying, anything like that? So this might this answer might be a little longer if you don't mind. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely not. This is the place. There's four words that I say to myself, to the world, and to another person if I'm in trouble with them or if something is happening. It's four words that I say within myself or out loud throughout the day. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I thank you. And I love you. Um, it's an ancient, very ancient way of Hawaiian way of healing. And this idea might be very hard to grasp. I would probably not understand it until I would. So how I came to it was through my own observation of the world. Um, you're familiar with psychology, so you probably know that there is a forever debate towards if this world is objective or subjective. Uh, and I've been, you know, thinking about it for a while ever I started studying psychology. and then. Lately, probably like in a couple years of my past, I was, I started realizing that this world is absolutely subjective, that there is no such thing as objective world because everything I see in this world, everything that's happening around me is happening within me. I don't see you on my screen right now. I see you within me. So you exist within me. Everything that's around me exists within me. And once I started observing that, I realized that when I change that picture of you within me, you change. And I was thinking, am I going crazy? Am I just, am I just, I'm probably just going nuts. I've been thinking too much. And I'm thinking, no, this can't be it. That's can't be. That's so much power within me then, changing the world around me just by changing the picture that I project on this world. And then this Hawaiian practice comes to me that talks about 100% responsibility for everything that happens in your life. Not just your life, but people around you. If I see uh, a fight outside, I am responsible because it came into my awareness. If I see someone struggling, if I see someone in pain, if I see fires happening in the world, I am responsible because I see it. It's very hard to understand. I, I, I know it's very hard to wrap your mind around it. But if you start viewing the world like that, and if you take responsibility for everything that happens around you, if someone yells at me, I'm responsible because it is in my world. Um, as they say in, in the book that, that, that one of the authors wrote about it, have you noticed when there is a problem, you're always there? Always. <laughs> you are responsible. If I close my eyes right now, if I shut my ears, I don't see the world, right? So the world that's outside, I'm the projector and the world is a blank screen that I'm projecting myself onto. It's just, it's very deep. I know it's hard to get from the beginning, but once you get into it and once you try it, it makes so much sense. It makes the most sense in the world. So when I see something happening that I don't like, that makes me feel in a certain way, if I see one human being being mean to another or something like that, I always say those four words. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I thank you. I love you. You're taking 100% responsibility for everything that happens around you. Uh, basically, if you go deeper in those words, the meaning is 
we all have this data in us that we're unaware of, which is called our subconscious. And there is a lot of information that's stored in our subconscious. These four words clear that information. They bring you back to zero. And when we're at zero, we're connected to the source, whatever you call it, God, higher power. We start being connected to this life. We start being more sensitive to this life. It's just you go so deep and you see such miraculous, beautiful things when you start cleaning. They call it cleaning because you say, whatever it is in me that caused this situation to come into my awareness, I don't know what it is in me because our subconscious is huge and our conscious is just little island in that never-ending water. So we can only understand so much with our mind what's happening in unconscious. So I don't know what it is in me that caused this situation in my life to happen, but I take 100% responsibility for it, and I'm so sorry for it. Please forgive me. I thank you. I love you. You can say it to yourself within yourself. You can say it to another person within yourself. You can say it to the creator within yourself. You just become so peaceful and joyful and blessed when you know. It sounds hard, you know, I got in a car crash. Am I responsible? No, I couldn't cause something like that. I saw something terrible. I'm, I'm sorry, but I saw, for example, someone get beat up or raped and I couldn't be responsible for that. Yes, you are. As, as hard as it sounds, but it also gives, brings the power back to you. If you are responsible, you have the power to change it. You know, we're so used to blaming. Blaming is so easy. It's because of that guy. It's because of the government. It's because of, you know, uh, politicians or law enforcement or something else. It's because of you, just because it's in your awareness. And once you start leaving out of that place... Your whole world just transforms. So that's my mantra. Those are the words that I say all the time. I clean. I say those words. I, I take responsibility for everything that happens around me. Yeah. And within me. That's my mantra. And that's called Ho'oponopono. If you want to look it up, if people that are listening to us want to look it up, if it speaks to your heart, that means there's a reason I'm talking about it right now. That means it has to reach you. Um, there is a book about Ho'oponopono. There is a lot of videos about that. It's an ancient Hawaiian prayer. And uh, how it became famous was there was a, um, I don't know how they call it. Basically, she, she became uh, very famous in Hawaii because she was a healer. She was healing people with that prayer. She was cleaning, yeah, like a shaman, but I think in Hawaiian they call it Kalua or Halua. I don't know how to spell the word, but I don't know how to spell it. Um, and she, she said, when I clean them, I clean the part of myself that created the problem in them. And that is just so beautiful. I love it. So her student, one of her students, he became a psychologist, uh, doctor of psychology, and he came to this mental hospital uh, where were people so ill that no one wanted to work with them, no psychologists lost, staff would leave. He cured the whole hospital to the point that they had to shut it down. And when people were asking him, what is this miracle? How you cured them? He never seen them in person. 
He'd never done any therapy sessions with them. He'd never seen them. He was holding his files and he said, I was asking for forgiveness for whatever it is in me that created that sickness in them. And he cured them. That sounds miraculous. That sounds crazy at first. That sounds like a lot of grass. But if you get that idea in your head, you can't help but feeling like it's the ultimate truth. It's so right. We are the creators in a sense, you know? In many senses, we are the creators. Um, and you can't take what you can't change, but you can't take responsibility for something I always say. Uh, no, that's that is not for weak people. Okay, so <laughs> you're looking for a, a way to not like if you're already just sitting here discrediting this whole thing and you're like, no, 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 that's fine. It's just where you're at in your journey <laughs> because the most powerful way to think about life is from a place of responsibility. It just is. And and the beautiful thing about life is you can't do it until you're strong enough, really, I think. I think you can kind of, like, it just, I think a lot of that takes a process. Um, at least that's what I've told myself because I've tried to help people and they won't take it. So I'm like, you know what? I love you anyway. We that's can't help at. people. We can't help yeah. ourselves. And when we yeah. help ourselves, people around us get helped. Yeah. That's yeah. the miracle. Miracle of surrender. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. So I, I say all that to say that that's that's powerful. That's good. I, I absolutely love it personally. Um, and it's deep. And it's and the it most my life. Yeah. Because when I came to that on my own, I was thinking I probably am going nuts. But, you know, I have a degree in psychology and I don't qualify for a nuts person. Yeah. I don't have a symptom. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very good. But <laughs> when you think that way... And then when I saw the proof that it actually exists, that knowledge is already out there and I'm not the yeah. person to come to it, it really made a lot of sense. That's powerful. That's amazing. Yana, would you, given your experience, your background, um, would you hire a bodyguard for your family, for your child, for, you know? That would be a strong yes, absolutely. Regardless of, of where I end up in life, whether I have an actual threat, or it's just everyday life, I would get a person I can trust with my family because there's so much danger. There's so many people out there that will try to hurt you. I, especially for the kids, they're just growing up. Their views are just so vulnerable. They, they take everything like a sponge. I would get a bodyguard, but I want someone like you, Byron. I was thinking, I was thinking, yes, Byron, you. I would get you to, to protect my family. I want someone with a heart. I want someone kind. I don't want someone who's trying to prove anything. I just want someone, as everything we talked about. Yeah. Because he likes doing it. Definitely. For every day, I would get a bodyguard for my family, for my kids, taking them from school, all of it, if I'm not there to do it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds. I, I completely, I, I completely agree, and it's genuine, and uh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And if I like, if, even for me, like, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's where I'll leave that. Yeah, no, I agree one hundred percent. I would do the same thing. So outstanding. That's what's up. One habit that you think makes you a better person and or a better protector? 
I'm consistent with what I'm doing, always. Uh, and that comes from the discipline that sport, sports taught me, the discipline and the consistency to do it over and over. Uh, one of the great fighters, I don't remember who exactly, he said, I do not fear a man that practiced 100,000 techniques of punches. I fear a man that practiced one over and over again. So consistency is probably my strongest Really? Outstanding. That's huge. That is huge. I think it was Bruce Lee who said that. Yes. So yes, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> That's outstanding consistency. Okay. Boom. Um, so, Yana, what are you up to these days? Where can people find you? Um, I really, I'm not big on social media. <laughs> I'm one, one of those people that could probably un- unplug the phone and just go in the woods and live there, you know? I yeah. love school, but I'm not really good with all this new technology. And I feel like that's not too good either because, you know, the world is progressing and I have to progress with it. But I have my Instagram page. Uh, you can find me there always. I try to update as much as I can. <laughs> not always happens. That's why I say I admire how you do this. It's so yeah. hard schedule we live in you know we have to train we have to stay fit we have to stay ready and we have to work and at the same time you know you have to do all these things like you have your website you have your podcasts you have your instagram that you're always 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 updating and following and i really admire that because it's so hard for me (laughs) yeah yes what's your handle on instagram my my name yeah your name I would probably be hard uh, to pronounce. It's uh, it's actually a word in my native language that means movement, action. Um, it, there is no exact translation for it, it, but it means moving for a change, moving with a desire to take an action. Uh, and it's in my language, it, it is uh, uh, so it's going to be F-E-Z-M-A-E-L outstanding we'll put it in all the stuff below so people can follow you and you know see what y'all about on there as well um yeah so this and are you coming to the symposium i am i am okay (laughs) so i'll see you in person very soon i think it's so important uh i don't know if there is that many of us you know i only know people that i've worked with uh, but it would be nice to to see other people doing the same thing I'm doing, you know. So yeah. I am. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to be fantastic for networking. Good time to be networking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I meet a lot of professionals in our industry, and we're going to have a lot of company owners there. There's going to be a lot of exposure people can get there. Then we're going to have a mixer, so we're all going to be hanging afterwards on the last night as well so learning together getting certified and some different things together there's gonna be a lot of awesome things i'm gonna give as much value as i can with that thing i believe you i feel like you're a giver you you're more willing (laughs) to give and i it's gonna be incredible it sounds like it's gonna be very helpful into growing better becoming better you know growing somewhere up higher in what you're doing yeah definitely because there are so many different things i feel like we're like a puzzle if we come together there's something you know that i don't know there's something i know that you don't know so if we share that knowledge we just become so much more powerful no it's it's absolutely true 
Well, Yana, it's been amazing speaking with you and getting to know you and understand you and your experience, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. And thank you so much for sharing and coming and hanging with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was so, so nice to talk to you. I feel like I could go, like I could go for hours <laughs> <laughs> talking, and talking and I'm not really usually good at talking about myself. Um, yeah. I rarely give interviews even for sports when they ask me, you know, would you would you like to give an interview for us? I say, no, thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm not really big on sharing, but you made it feel very easy and comfortable. Thank you. Outstanding. Well, you have uh, so much to give. So that's, that's good. And I hope that uh, some of the principles that you spoke of, we see more often out in the industry. I hope so. Yeah. For sure. Uh, it'd, be a, it'd be an amazing thing. So thank you once again for coming on, girl. And I look forward to seeing you at the symposium. Thank you. I look forward to meeting you in person. <laughs> Outstanding. And if you haven't already, get your tickets for the Protector Symposium. The first annual Protector Symposium is taking place in Riverside, California, November 15th and 16th. We've got an all-star lineup of seriously elite trainers, Yosef Badu, Ed Caldrone and Mike Pannone are all going to be there teaching and instructing us on, well, our common goal, how to make good people more dangerous. So no matter what your background is, you're going to learn skills around the one unifying principle of protection. Get your tickets. Uh, spots are going quickly. And remember, you're going to get over $100 worth of value back in different things that you're going to get from our sponsors with your purchase of a ticket. Check the website out, Byron Rogers Motivation, for ticket information and to learn more. Out. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible contributing to this brand what we're doing here making it so that i can bring better guests on making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an america a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that the lifestyle behind that you guys are already killing it one dollar a month $5 a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's. Hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use? Put it towards a podcast and get involved in our, our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. And if you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. Um, you know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's Byron Rogers Motivation. 
Instagram.com, and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.